Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildenbrand here. Dan Rubenstein right on over there. Solid Verbal at gmail.com. Still our email address. Find us on Facebook, on FanCred. And, of course, on the Twitter, our phone number one more time is 408-VERBAL1. We're going to get to your week four reverbs here momentarily. But first, I must say hello to my good friend in the Big Apple. His name is Dan Rubenstein, sir. How are you? I'm fantastic, Ty. I, um, it was a relatively early morning yeah. for, the, for the day job and night job and early morning job. But um, really, really energized by week four's slate of games that we're about to talk about Ate well watched well into the night to see what was going on on the west coast so pretty much every region had things to like and or laugh at and or be shocked by and or continually make fun of so huge huge win of a weekend for uh for the college football nerd inside of me his name is ira by the way ira, the college that's football your, nerd inside your of alter me. Yes. ego yes can i be very honest about something Please. <sighs> Fell asleep for the end of the Oregon and not surprising uh, end of the Arizona Cal game. Classic Hildenbrandt. It was a classic Hildenbrandt maneuver. Yeah. Wasn't quite national championship level falling asleep, but at around the, I don't know, 12 o'clock hour, things got a little hazy there and then woke up 430, looked at the uh, scoreboard app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 38, 31 Oregon. Arizona wins on a last second Hail Mary. There is something decidedly unique about getting older. I won't say old, but older on the East Coast where you reach a certain point where you're like, look, I get that there's fun, exciting things happening, but my body doesn't care. And I've missed national championship, not football, but like I think it was the Kansas Memphis, Kentucky, one of those national championship basketball games where it was like, 1130, I worked like a long ass day and I really didn't care about who would win either way. I was like, I'll find out in the morning. Yeah, that that is a decidedly East Coast getting older thing that I have really embraced. Not with college football yet, but with other sports. It's fantastic. It'll happen. It's the same feeling that East Coasters go through when they wake up in the winter, look outside to see how much snow they got from the, uh, the snowstorm. The show is not sponsored, by the way by the east coast board of tourism no no not at all okay well look you hit the nail on the head dan this felt like the first real weekend of college football especially last night a lot of really good really exciting action last evening we're going to get through all of that we've also got some exciting secret verbal news oh we do later on in the show i feel like people will be interested in what we need to tell them. So we'll put our heads together. We'll discuss that Mm -hmm. in just a little bit. Let's get started though, where we always get started. Let's have a listen to your week four reverbs. Well, Missouri Tigers just lost to a big 10 team in football. So I'm going to go drink until I can't feel this pain anymore. Hey, this is Brad in Afghanistan. Hey, y'all. Zach in Columbus. Hey, guys. It's PJ in Champaign. Hey, this is Evan from Richmond, Virginia. I know that wasn't a Clemsoning because it couldn't have been a Clemsoning, but it sure felt like one. My boyfriend and I just got in a very heated discussion about whether or not Clemson just Clemson. I'm studying the number of mistaken uses of the term Clemsoning into the reverb line at about 105.1. If you can't even get a foot on fourth down, if you can't stack the ball under center and fall forward, then you need to quit football. You know what? Ty wished this on the Florida State fans. Damn you, Ty. Just want to say, go Jackets. George Tech definitely not the worst team in the ACC. Uh, are we sure that the eight-win bed is enough wins for this bed? This might be more like a six-win bed or maybe even a four-win bed for Frank Beamer. I just want to call to say that at the very beginning, at the opening kickoff of the Georgia Tech-Virginia Tech game, I called it. I said, Georgia Tech is going to win this game. What an electric day for the Big Ten. Shazam! All those wins and Michigan loses. 
nobody in the Big Ten likes Michigan, even through their best efforts. All of the tears of University of Michigan football fans flooding their stadium still could not stop Utah from winning. Do Michigan fans dress up as Tommy Reese for Halloween? I would imagine so. I feel like I'm being personally trolled by you guys bagging on the Wolverines the way you are. As a Michigan State fan, I hereby nominate Brady Hoke for a lifetime contract. It's 8 a.m. I'm brutally hungover and a layover at the Atlanta airport. And as a Big Ten fan, I think this is the best my day is going to be. MVP of the Illinois game today might have been that rain delay. Ugly game, but three wins, and the drive for six is alive. Including a two-hour lighting delay. It took Illinois five and a half hours to beat Texas State by seven. Does anybody know if the Geneva Conventions consider that torture? Yeah, Alabama's number two, all right. Number two in turnovers. Most overrated team in the top ten. Are we sure this game isn't brought to you and sponsored by McDonald's new Apple turnovers? Well, it was an ugly game, but LSU hasn't lost to Mississippi State at home since I was in the first grade. So by my calculations, I'm going to go ahead and mark down our next loss to Miss State for the year 2037 and be done with it. LSU's defense just made Dak Prescott look like Cam Newton. Who's your daddy, Tiger? Who's your daddy? Gus Malzahn is the prince of house sweater vest. I cannot believe I just stayed up at 2 in the morning just to watch the rest and again to Oregon. We can just give Carl Holiday the award. And with the effort now. Just a little after 2 a.m., still driving home from Pullman at a gas station about a mile from the middle of nowhere. Watching Kansas State's field goal attempts is a bigger threat to America than ISIS. If you think Marshall is just an air attack offense, you are sadly mistaken. According to ancient Catholic folklore, the third ring of purgatory is defined as the Michigan locker room during the rain delay. Ah, the Michigan locker room during the rain delay. We're going to get to that. Let's save that one for the end, Dan. Perhaps the worst for last in this case. Yeah, I was going to ask you which one of Michigan's offensive touchdowns they've scored against a Power 5 conference team this season was your favorite, but I'll give you time over the course of this episode to sort of sort through, maybe look it up on YouTube, gonna maybe need to pour digest. over some box scores, maybe just figure out which one really sinks into your heart with the the sort of warmest feeling. So let 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 you I'll let you do that. We had some fun with Michigan folks yesterday on Twitter mm. and equally as much fun with Utah folks who didn't Oops. understand the premise of sarcasm. I I was very charmed by like how earnest they were. Like, excuse me, we play a very difficult schedule. Like, no, we know we're not. They're an honest people, those Utes. And yes. in this case a little too literal, but okay. Yeah. Those are your week four reverbs again, four zero eight verbal one. Thanks again to our friend Taylor, the intern for his help with all things reverbs this week. Couldn't have done it without him. Let's get started with the biggest game of the week. Now, before we get into it, we must offer some context in the Uh form of our breaking news sound. Yeah, we play the sound because the Jameis Winston suspension that we told you about on Wednesday. Mm hmm. The one that was only supposed to last one half. Right. Yeah. Well, Florida State took advantage of the old 11 p.m. Friday news dump. Yeah. To inform the world that he would not only be suspended for one half, but one full game against Clemson. Bunch of haters. Those Florida State administrators. That's what I say. Against Clemson, no less, Dan. Mm -hmm. Clemson's a big game. This one proved to be a battle of the backups. Sean McGuire stepped in, did his best in place of Jameis Winston. And we saw Cole Stout in for Clemson a little bit, but ultimately they turned the reins over to Deshaun Watson. Right. As we had speculated on our Wednesday show, we just weren't sure how they were going to use him. Um, He comes in immediately leads a scoring drive. He looks dynamic. Clemson has a ton of momentum because Jameis Winston isn't playing. The play calling was curious to me at times. It always felt like, maybe Clemson could have and should have done more with him. Right. I don't know how much of that had to do with minimizing risk against the Florida he had State a good defense, game. but yeah, he did have a good game. Obviously the guy's a, a freshman on the road, hostile environment. You don't want to bite off more than you can chew. Mm-hmm. Sean McGuire did not look as good as Deshaun Watson to say the least. Right. 
of of the Sean's involved with the quarterbacking, the Deshaun beat the Sean. He looked shaky at best, primarily because he was pressured all game. He was sacked yeah. five times. Florida State's line had some trouble in this one because Clemson mm-hmm. was really, really ferocious. I am curious to see once Winston comes back if the line has this kind of trouble against some other teams. I don't know if there are, are enough teams on Florida State's schedule to provide that kind of rush like we saw last night. Right. Maybe Notre Dame can put something together in a few weeks, but uh, I want to see how the line holds together in the coming weeks. Anyway, McGuire didn't commit that horrible mistake that I think some of us expected. He, he made right. his share of mistakes, but he didn't make the one critical mistake that cost Florida State the game. And that enabled them down the stretch to build some momentum and ultimately be Clemson. Yeah. I mean, it, it obviously came down to a, a very close game at the end and turnovers and decision making on at big moments, fourth and one. I'm not crazy about what Clemson tried to do there, but big picture is that Sean McGuire won the game in sort of unimpressive fashion. I think the offensive line issue wasn't as much that the offensive line is now suddenly awful. I think it is you with the new quarterback thrust into that position without taking starter reps in practice. It's cadence. It's the quarterback, perhaps not recognizing line shifts that he has to make and looking at the defense, looking at the front and saying, okay, we need to protect this. This is what's coming. I think to, to jump in there a day before with that kind of responsibility, I think it overwhelmed the entire offensive system of Florida state. So in that re- in that regard, it is a it's a minor miracle that Florida State was able to walk away from this game with a win. Disappointed though in Florida State's offensive line's ability to consistently block in the run game. Carlos Williams didn't have a particularly interesting or good game, um, and Clemson was not able to take advantage of opportunities, whether it was in the sort of gimme kicking game, whether it was in the red zone, whether it was with turnovers at just backbreaking moments. Clemson really was just not able to take advantage in a spot and given the circumstances that they should have been able to do much more with how good that defense was pretty much the entire game. It was it was a disappointment that Clemson was not able to walk away from Tallahassee as weird as it now sounds with a win. There is another thing we should probably talk about as it relates to this game and a verb or yeah, a verb that we coined. Yeah. I was going to talk about the rocket snap over Deshaun Watson's head, mm. which was very quietly the highlight of the game for me, just because it was the most inopportune oh, rocket snap in the history of the universe on the one yard line, 20 feet over his head. Thanks for playing. Right. All of those things that you described added up to sort of a Clemsoning performance now there was a very like the universe is behaving in mysterious ways a lot of those types of moments it was a lot like kansas state on thursday night where you had the sense that if things had gone in a different direction if all these things in tandem hadn't gone wrong perhaps they could have won clemson definitely shot itself in the foot on multiple occasions in this game Mm -hmm. as you might expect and as we predicted on Wednesday, there was going to be a lot of talk of Clemsonings, right. Clemsonings, mm-hmm. Clemsonings mm-hmm. to the point, Dan, where it started trending on Twitter. Oops. <laughs> now, we can't take full credit for the Clemsoning term. Clemsonings have been around forever. What we did is we gave it a definition and we helped popularize it. I think we brought it into the the lexicon of sorts. The lexicon, if you will. Yeah. We were inundated <laughs> with Clemsoning tweets. Shucks. Was this or was this not a true Clemsoning? I'm glad you asked, Ty. I don't remember which one of us actually decided to make to make that a part of our show, but we can both speak to this with equal interest and fervor. Yes. Um, it was not a Clemsoning in the traditional sense. To put it simply, a Clemsoning is when uh, a team, be it Clemson or another team, raises expectations going into the season and throughout the first part of the season, then inexplicably loses to a dumb opponent um, in a spot where they shouldn't. So like, for example, when Clemson would lose to a team like North Carolina state or Maryland after starting the season, like eight, no, that was a Clemsoning. This can be applied to all things, both on and off the football field. Last night's game didn't have the feel of a true Clemsoning, but the more and more that people were filled with this idea of Clemsoning just means choking. We gave it some thought and it felt like there were elements. There were wrinkles of, when Clemson was in a perfect position to win a game 
and all of a sudden weird things start happening. It felt like there were strange solid verbal related forces at work and we had to acknowledge the fact that solid verbal forces were clearly at work and yes we i called it a clemsoning express okay um as if like if you go there's a difference between going to like a california pizza kitchen in your local mall and a california pizza kitchen in an airport in an airport yeah it was a very limited version of that the essence of what clemsoning was was sort of at play but it was not a true defined full-blown clemsoning this wasn't the brick and mortar clemsoning store this was Correct. one of those mall kiosks right absolutely it was a clemsoning kiosk so it was a kiosk there was there you go thank you there was something at play here yeah clemson i thought should have won the game could have won the game had more than enough chances to win the game yeah florida state's defense i thought performed pretty admirably all throughout mm-hmm. and you know sean mcguire didn't commit the killer mistake. He had a couple interceptions. Leaned on Rashad Green and Nick O'Leary very well. In the second half, seemed to get some momentum going forward. What do you think about Jameis Winston on the field before the game? I promise we'll move on after this, but sure. uh, Jameis Winston obviously dominated yeah. the coverage of this game. What did you think about him warming up before the game? That was just very strange. It was just like, I mean, very... It was just, it was unexpected, all things considered, even for Jameis Winston. And I will say this, Ty... And it takes a big man to admit it. I shed a few tears. I let some tears trickle down my cheek thinking about the adversity that Jameis Winston was able to overcome. He is America's sweetheart, Dan. Let's play some American theme music in the background, shall we? I don't know how you don't feel for him. Just just man to man, person to person for what he's been through with what he's been able to overcome and to see him on the sideline like that, just helping his team, helping his team will themselves to victory. It, it hits you at a place that it's, it's almost to an uncontrollable point where you just, you just want to hug the guy. I got a kick out of Jimbo Fisher having to go tell him, uh, you probably should get undressed now and maybe Mm -hmm. you should uh, not be doing what, I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? I saw some tweets today. I was tweeting with your boy, Jason Kirk, and someone jumped in and said, well, this has happened before at Florida State where a guy's been suspended and still suited up and warmed up. And great. If you want to blame that on the equipment manager, then he's just as dumb as the rest of you. You've got to be kidding me. This tells me everything you need to know about Jameis Winston. It's all about him. It's all about him. And we hear it time and time again. He's such a great teammate. People love playing. You know why he's such a great teammate, Dan? Why is that? He's really good at football. That's why he helps the team win. Beyond that, it's all about him being in the spotlight. It's all about all the people around him worshiping him to the point where obviously standing up on a table and yelling something obscene, given all he's been through, isn't that big of a deal. Right. Florida State won the game 23 to 17 in overtime when Carlos Williams scampered in from 12 yards to save the Molly Maguires from the jaws of defeat. Let's go to another game. Elsewhere in the ACC, Miami, Nebraska getting a little chippy. Yep. Yep. Nebraska wins this one going away. A ginormous game from Amir Abdullah. 35 rushes, 229 yards, one touchdown on the ground, one touchdown through the air. A bunch of fights here, Dan, to the point where Nebraska fans even booed Miami as it left the field, which I, I know you've been to Nebraska. I have, too. For Nebraska fans to boot anything is really an unfathomable, unfathomable, um, blah, blah, blah. it's an unfathomable level right. of disdain in Nebraska. It's like a medieval stoning in Nebraska to boo somebody. Yeah. A little bit scared about Amir Abdullah carrying the ball 35 times. That is many times. That is Le'Veon Bell-esque, and he is not built quite like Le'Veon Bell. Uh, that is a little bit troubling, but yes, a very nice win for Nebraska. Brad Kaya was a little bit sloppy with the ball, but all things considered, looks promising as Miami's quarterback. Um, and yeah, Nebraska kept a, a little bit more level of a head late in this game, and Miami sort of lost it. And Nebraska is now officially the class of the conference how right? about that yep yeah uh and they did they did little things that you would want to see nebraska was very very good on third down um they won the turnover battle against a talented team uh they didn't shoot themselves in the foot nearly as much as miami but given 
what Miami did yesterday, that's really difficult to do yep. to match Miami in terms of penalties. Um, and they stopped Duke Johnson. They stopped Miami consistently on the ground. They got to uh, they got to Brad Kaya. It was uh, it was a very impressive performance, wire to wire from Nebraska. Elsewhere in the ACC, ECU hung seventy on UNC. By the way, I would never buy an album called Elsewhere in the ACC. No, never. Yeah, continue though. Virginia fought but lost on the road to BYU. Very good BYU team. Yeah. Virginia Tech headed straight for Frank Beamer's eight-win bed. Loses to Georgia Tech in a close one. Yep. Pitt somehow lost to Iowa. Yeah, that was was probably going to happen. And uh, Syracuse lost to Maryland. Also Duke, Louisville, Boston College, NC State all won pretty comfortably. And Wake rallied in the second half to edge out Army. So good on them. I should mention, because we're not going to get to their conference because they're not in a conference, BYU is really good, and Taysom Hill is really good. And Virginia is a decent team. And what he's able to do, I I don't like that he is carrying the the lion's share of the carries, but it should just be mentioned that BYU is dangerous, and they don't play all that many good teams, and they're in a very good position to go undefeated. Taysom Hill is probably going to get to New York. It's entirely possible. Probably going to get to New York. All right. The other scare came in the Pac-12, Dan. Mm. Oregon 38, Wazoo 31. So, look, you're going to have to explain this one to me in small parts so I can digest it. I want you to start by talking about the offensive line. And actually, if I... I might have a soundtrack for you. There we go. Can you just maybe... Give a little voiceover here and talk about the Oregon offensive line. Um, yeah, I can. I look. We're gonna criticize other teams for being soft and giving up sacks and not being able to run the ball. You gotta do it for Oregon. They weren't able to do it, and it's one thing to say a bunch of players are hurt, but if you are going to consider yourself a consistent, consistent top five team, which Oregon has over the years, uh, you have to have the depth to be able to absorb injuries and injury situations. Oregon's down three tackles and a rotation guy on the offensive line. Their All-American left tackle got hurt before the season started. But you know what? They just look it's, – it's one thing to talk about. Everybody's hurt. Everybody has injuries. Oregon happens to have a little bit more along the offensive line. But at a certain point, football is not a matter of who you have, but it's a matter of who you have that's playing through pain or is not injured. So, you know, no excuse. Washington State played very well offensively. Connor Halliday had a nice day, didn't throw any interceptions. Oregon's uh, defensive scheme was – subpar I would say not able to get pressure on Connor Halliday and it wasn't all just screens and hitch routes or whatever um Washington State's offensive line which has been maligned for a long time did a did a pretty good job of protecting Connor Halliday all things considered he was able to pick on Oregon's best corner in one-on-one coverage and succeed uh they were able to obviously get to Marcus Mariota who was still able to have an otherworldly day completing something ridiculous like 25 of 29 going for well over 305 touchdowns. He is the clear best player in college football right now. I don't know if you disagree. It's okay if you do. Um, But Oregon has a lot of issues up front on offense and Washington state scheme makes it so it's very difficult to do anything on the defensive line because they get rid of the ball so quickly, but the secondary was exploited. Oregon looked like a top 12 team. They did not look like a top five team. Pullman, a tough place to play, but it was a it was a down game for Oregon. It was a nice game for Mariota, nice game for a couple receivers, but all in all, very lucky to get away from uh, the Palouse with the victory. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Marcus Mariota, 21 of 25, 329, five touchdowns, looked really, really good. He did overshadow Connor Halliday, who had a whale of a game in a losing effort. Yes. Good on Wazoo for fighting against Oregon. Almost got the job done, but Oregon just is able to pull out uh, a win that shouldn't have been as thin as it was. But nonetheless, a win's a win. Also in the Pac-12, Arizona, 49, Cal, 45. As expected, this one was a full-fledged shootout. My lock of Cal plus 10 won. My brazen prediction of an outright Cal victory would have hit if not for a last second Hail Mary, which sank, sank the Golden Bears, sank my hopes and dreams. Yeah. 
I mean, it's got to count as like half credit for me, right? It was a Hail Mary. Yeah, defense is hard to play for four quarters when you just have a starting 11 and not much beyond that, which is what Cal very clearly had. Their offense looks so good throughout this game. They did a good job for four quarters, essentially, of spreading the ball around. Uh, I want to say they ran the ball very well. They did. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so Cal looked very complete. They looked balanced. Jared Goff, even though a new Solomon threw that crazy Hail Mary at the end and put up an absurd amount of yards, Jared Goff was a better quarterback in this game on the road. He was more efficient. Um, he was just fantastic. A new Solomon did a great job in the fourth quarter. Cal gave up 36. I'm going to, I'm going to leave a dramatic pause here. 36 points in the fourth quarter. A Rich Rod team couldn't even run the ball against Cal. If Fornia. Yeah, it was it was incredible to see. It was an incredible late night game. The game didn't end till nearly two in the morning, right around there. Eastern time, a fantastic win for Arizona. I have a feeling given Arizona's defense that they're going to be involved and Cal's defense. Both of these teams are going to be involved in a lot of crazy shootouts this season. So if you want to play that sound one more time, just to four for ten. <laughs> the season it's worth staying up late to watch these teams i was only sort of three quarters watching them because it was at the same time as oregon i had this game on my ipad on my coffee table an unbelievably entertaining game so good for arizona cal showed almost an ability to close out a game but their defense just looks so gassed and tired at the end that it looked to be an impossibility but they i guess they just needed to make one play at the end yeah and it yep. wasn't even a crazy tip. It wasn't even like a jump ball. Right in his hands. He just threw it right to him. Right in his hands. Yeah, it, it's a shame that Cal would lose like that. Uh, they call it a Hail Mary for a reason. Arizona got some of his prayers answered, at least. A new Solomon, yeah. by the way. You mentioned his performance in this game. I'm still not crazy about a new Solomon. Threw the ball 73 times. It's a lot of times. Finished with 520 passing yards and five touchdowns in a winning effort again 49 45 they up in the cal golden bears elsewhere washington colorado oregon state all win washington started very slow down 14 nothing at the half to georgia state at home should be noted uh we will also talk about utah's big road win in just a few minutes but we do want to talk about the sec first Mm -hmm. let's talk about mississippi state beating lsu 34 to 29 and Daniel Mm. talk about an unlikely boat racing yeah this score here makes the game look close LSU was a 10 point home favorite at night in Death Valley and Mississippi State made this one look easy they went up 17 nil Mm -hmm. almost before LSU knew what hit it and from there just coasted this one on out coasted on out It was not nearly as close as the final score would indicate. LSU mounted a bit of a charge at the end, but it just was out of reach at this point. Dak Prescott, Dan, do we believe the hype at this point? He showed a lot in this game. Not just in terms, he made big plays. He found receivers. He he scrambled, found time, or created time for himself. Did a, a fantastic job. It was the poise to be able to do this at LSU at night in Baton Rouge, uh, at Death Valley, the fact that he was throwing the ball downfield, the fact that he was running, and he I think he led the team in carries. They had two two runners over 100 yards. I think Robinson almost went for 200. Yep, no, 197. Um, the balance, and LSU was showing some signs of an inability. Uh, the defensive line a little bit smaller than it was a couple, two, three, four years ago last season uh, to stop the run. The, the inability there or the inconsistency there against the run was showing flashes last year, obviously. Not anything against the run this year, giving up long runs, short runs, medium runs, not able to establish the run themselves on offense. But to me, the story was Mississippi State, especially the first three quarters in how much they were able to respond and adjust to anything LSU was able to do on offense. And it, it speaks a little bit. I mean, we talk about overreacting the first couple of weeks to who's bad and who's no good. And then suddenly throughout the season, they show themselves to be good. Yeah. Maybe we overreacted to LSU beating Wisconsin and showing that comeback ability and that Maybe Wisconsin's just bad, and LSU's offense is just that green where you cannot count on them against an experienced SEC West team no matter where that game is being played because neither – I mean, Anthony Jennings looked just atrocious. He just looked bad. He had his moments. He really did. Yeah, um, and then Brandon Harris, you know, in in limited time looked decent enough, but Jennings looked bad. They couldn't consistently run the ball even like – 
it was just a really flat, flat performance from LSU, a team more talented than Mississippi State, but certainly not more experienced and certainly not more ready to be adjusted by the coaching staff. That sounds very weird the way I phrased adjusted, it. Adjusted, yeah. I think you know what I mean. I, so, I, I understand. And look, a thorough victory by by Klanga Klanga. It, it really was. I was impressed by the defense here. I was also a bit perplexed at how LSU could only rush for 72 yards on 18 carries right? with Leonard Fournette, Kenny Hilliard, and Terrence McGee. That was very, very telling to me that they yeah. weren't able to get things going. And then there was Dak Prescott, 373 total yards, three total touchdowns. He looked really good. Josh Robinson, you mentioned, had a bunch of game-breaking runs. Mm-hmm. About as bad as we've seen LSU look defensively in quite some time. We're going to have to monitor Mississippi State. I still don't know if I'm fully buying in, but the defense is definitely for real. And if Dak Prescott keeps playing the way he played in this game, they could be a force in the West. Yeah. Alabama, 42, Florida, 21, Dan. (sighs) Lane Kiffin. Yeah. What did you say on Wednesday about Florida's defense being able to keep this one close? Um, I said... Florida's defense was able to keep this one close. I didn't even realize that Florida's defense was actually their offense at the same time. It gets a little confusing for them as well. Right. In this one, the defense clearly had its hands full. 645 total yards for Alabama. It was a little murky for a while. It was murky because Alabama was loose with the football and turned it over four times. That's the only reason This one was tied at 21 midway through the third quarter. Otherwise, a great game for Blake Sims, who got hurt and then came back in a Heisman type of game for Amari Cooper, who, as you mentioned earlier, might be one of the best players in college football. A dominant showing by Derrick Henry, who I got to say, looks like Christian Okoye from Tech Mobile. Remember Christian (laughs) Okoye in the original game? Legend. Guys just bounce off Derrick Henry. Yeah. Not to be confused. Turn into seven and a half like surprisingly easily not to be confused by the way with Derek green from Michigan sure I'll talk about that later I'm never confusing the two of them anymore because one of them runs forward that's right Florida's offense now is it's still a tire fire it really is oh yeah to be fair the Alabama defense is pretty good but it's not nearly as impregnable as it's been in recent years the offense is just really bad yeah it is uh it's not in a place where you can count on anything consistent to happen. Jeff Driscoll is I mean even even in a disadvantaged place of being the quarterback of this Florida team with suspicious, suspicious scheme, excuse me. No touch on his throws. He's he's an average quarterback. Can we just end the experiment? Like at this phase, have we not gone through all stages of the scientific method? With this experiment. Is there anything that really points to him being average oh, other than recruiting stars? He's below average, Dan. Yeah. He's Florida has a below average quarterback. They have an okay offensive line. An average quarterback wins seven games with that team. Yeah. And once again, they're playing against the most talented defense, most likely in the country. So everybody's going to look bad. But you know what? Clint Trickett in West Virginia didn't look awful against Alabama's defense with worth with worse talent, excuse me. So I think... I think Florida can certainly win games because of how good that defense is against lesser teams and can be against lesser teams. They were turning Alabama over like crazy. They were forcing turnovers. They were giving the offense short fields. They were doing what you want from a team that is looking to succeed in spite of itself. It's not going to happen against Alabama. Good for Lane Kiffin for quickly developing Blake Sims this season into a very good passer. He looked a little bit shaky in a couple of early games, but um, early on in games, excuse me, but Alabama has the best wide receiver in the country. Yeah. Amari Cooper very clearly is. Is there anybody else that nears him? Ah, uh, gosh, I at don't know. this point, probably not at this point. There are I mean, Devaris I, Daniels is right there. <laughs> Kevin White's been pretty good for West Virginia. Kevin White's been fantastic. Um, He's been really good. Everybody knows Trickett's going to Kevin White and that they still can't stop it. But Mari Cooper, and this is something that we've talked about a little bit, uh, has been talked about short stuff, medium stuff, long stuff, screens, over the middle, red zone. He is complete. He is fast. He is yards after the catch. He is a a force of nature. Whatever Whatever force was at play going against Clemson in the Florida State game, Take the flip side of that, and that is the force that resides within Amari Cooper's hands. He's very, very good. Alabama wins 
42 to 21, as I said. It was a little murky there until midway through the third quarter. It was 21 all, I mean, well into this game. Yeah, and no thanks to the Florida offense. It was all defense. Correct. The Thursday night game, a weird one that we predicted. We knew this was going to happen. Auburn 20, K-State 14. The line in this one, when we saw it, was nine and a half, came down to around eight at kickoff. A very, very weird game. We said... Again, on Wednesday, we'd be questioning the logic on Sunday. I hated taking Auburn. I did too. K-State's strategy appeared to be sell out on Auburn's run. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Yeah, I mean, they could not have anticipated the drops, especially in the first two or three quarters that Auburn seemed to suddenly be plagued with. But yes, if, if you can stop, and again, this is a talented running back core for Auburn and a good offensive line. They were able to have a ton of success. And one of those things against these teams that like to play with variable speed, sometimes really fast, sometimes a little bit slower, whatever, that like to use tempo, they can go three and out really quickly. And that's a disturbing thing because then that taxes that that Auburn defense. Kansas State wasn't able to take advantage of it consistently. They weren't able to finish drives, whether it be with kickers feet or whatever the case was. But Kansas State had a fantastic game plan. They were playing fundamentally very sound in the open field on defense. I liked watching what can It's really fun to watch, even though the game was ugly and slow and a little bit boring. It was fun to see a team, especially as we sort of are moving on from the Florida game to talk about this with a plan. They were outplayed. They are a, a lesser talented team. Kansas State shouldn't be on the field with Auburn sometimes when you look at what Auburn has. But it didn't matter because Kansas State simply was prepared to play A-list football. See, I kind of disagree with you. Why? This game wasn't fun to watch at all. No, this I'm was, saying it was, it was fun. I'm saying it's fun to see like, can't, like the discipline of Kansas State. Like They're so well-defined by the fact that they don't miss arm tackles. You know, just like little things like that. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a respect to Bill Snyder thing. It's not a respect to the entertainment value of this sure. game. No, they are bred to be boring. And sure. Had they not turned the ball over three times, had they not yeah. missed three kicks. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, they may have cooged themselves more than Clemson did Aww. in that game because K-State probably should have won this football game and mm-hmm. had numerous chances, just couldn't convert. Auburn goes on to win, survives on the road in Manhattan, Kansas, by a 20-14 to 14 score. The other SEC game that we'll talk about here very quickly before we run through some of the other victories. Yeah. Indiana 31, Mizzou 27. The Hoosiers go to Columbia and win despite going one of 14 on third downs. One of 14. A great win for Kevin Wilson, friend of the show. I got to say, if you want to talk about Clemsonings. Yes, I was going to say. This is a borderline Clemsoning for Missouri. I'm willing to enter into a discussion Missouri raised expectations last season with winning the SEC East and nearly before they were dismantled by Auburn in the second half of that game in the conversation to be a national championship team, at least BCS team. Um, Indiana, uh, I want to say a week after losing to Bowling Green. Yeah. Goes to Missouri and wins this game uh, in, as you said, not the most impressive fashion, one of 13, one of 14, whatever it was on third downs. Um, Mizzou was snake bitten. The penalties were awful. They were undisciplined. Matthew Mock was actually up and down, did not have a consistent day. Uh, they were able to move the ball on the ground. Well, the long run by Russell Hansborough was very, very nice. Um, but the, the fact that Indiana was able to string quarter to quarter, not, I don't think they turned the ball over at all. That's, that's the actual recipe. It was a very nice day, not just for Indiana, but the big 10 as a whole, I won't say great dominant, like perception changing, but a nice day that the Big Ten really needed short of what happened in the Utah game. Right. Well, we knew Indiana could score. That's the right. That's the difference here. It helps when you get nearly 250 yards on the ground. Yep. Between your law firm of Redding, Roberts and Coleman, mm-hmm. which I'm coining now. I love it so much. It's very nice. Kevin Coleman, of course, he's the breadwinner of the backfield. He had a huge run in this game that set up the win. A nice win for Indiana going to hostile. I really like the helmet look, by the way, for me. Yeah, I like that. I mean, the the middle part was a little bit strange, the shaping of that. But I liked the uh, the IU on one side and the state flags. I think it was state flag stuff, whatever it was, those stars stuff on the other side. I like that. uh, 
the asymmetrical look. Yeah, someone on Twitter pointed out it was a huge day for Indiana because Oklahoma was wearing their uniforms at night. Hey, nice little honoring. I like that. An homage. <sighs> Elsewhere in the SEC, Georgia, Texas A&M, Arkansas all dominate in wins. Mm-hmm. South Carolina struggles a bit against Vandy on yeah. the road, which came out of nowhere. But, uh, of course, the Gamecocks win 48-34. I'm, wor- I'm a little bit worried. I think it's Missouri- in South Carolina, I think that's the game day game next week. Ouch. Not feeling great about that game. Not feeling great at all. Uh, worried about South Carolina's offensive line at times. Inconsistent opening up. Mike Davis just has not been what I think was needed of him this season if South Carolina was going to go and threaten double-digit wins. We'll see. Looks like a horrible slate of Week 5 games, by the way. Yeah, Week 5, not the best. Week 6 is absurdly exciting. Yeah. I don't Absolutely. know if you've looked that far in advance, but I have. there are I have. maybe 14 amazing games. We're going to have to figure something out for that yeah. one. I did mention the Oklahoma game, mm-hmm. 45-33. The Sooners go on the road at night. Morgantown, West Virginia. They win by 12, 45-33. Our friend Alan Kenny over blatant homerism. Mm-hmm. I talked to him this morning. He's my go-to authority on all things Oklahoma football. My, mine is Jim Ross. But that's Jim a, Ross, okay. You, you do you, I'll do me. Uh, he graded Oklahoma's effort as an all-around B plus until about midway in the third quarter. It did look like West Virginia had a shot at this one, but you could slowly feel Oklahoma pulling away. A really fun game to watch. I, I think in looking back, Dan, the two stories that stand out for me, true freshman, Samaje Pirine, monster game, mm-hmm. 32 carries, 242 yards, four touchdowns. That's going to put him on the map. I'm not going to act like West Virginia has a stout run defense or just a stout defense at all, but 242 yards is still 242 yards. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that West Virginia's offense is clearly the real deal. So good. Kevin White, clearly the real deal. They were talking on the broadcast like he might be the next Larry Fitzgerald. In the game, he looked like Larry Fitzgerald. Yep. West Virginia is going to get somebody at some they're point. Gonna, I think they're going to get some buddies. I don't know if it's going to be TCU or Oklahoma State or Baylor, but this is a team that's good enough to go eight and four, nine and three. I don't know if the schedule allows them to get that many wins, but either way, it's a really big deal for Dana Holgerson because this is a team that won four and eight a season ago. They're at two and two right now. I have the schedule in front of me. You ready? Yeah. Kansas. <laughs> Win. Are you locking that up? <laughs> yeah. Where's my sound there? Lock of the week. <laughs> What's that point spread going to be? It uh, comes out. Oh, it's not till October 4th, but let's see. Kansas, it's in Morgantown. Uh, it's got to be 35. I was going to say like 29 and a half. It could be up that high. Sure. Got to be a couple touchdowns. Uh, they go to Texas Tech, which I don't think we're crazy about, but there should be all sorts of points. Shootout on the road. Who knows? Um, they get Baylor at home. We're assuming they'll lose, but again, the the health of of Bryce Petty, he's broken back things that's not a thing i love but baylor's defense they're they're a pretty complete looking team against nobody so there's that i think the baylor defense is probably the difference there they'll be yeah. able to offer enough resistance to give baylor some wiggle room but they get them at home yeah i could see baylor winning that game by like eight to ten so if they're at two wins right now i think they can be kansas at texas tech they can win at texas they can win at home against TCU. They can win against home at Kansas State. They can win on the road against home at home against Kansas State. And they can win on the road at Iowa State. I don't know that they win all of those games, but let's say Iowa State, Texas, TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor. So that's what, six, five or six more games. So yeah, they can go eight and four. Yeah. I think that's totally reasonable. Also, Zach Sanchez had his Sanchez. what 142nd consecutive game with an interception. Something he is crazy so like good. That. He is so flipping unbelievable. Yes. He's really um, good. Yeah, Trevor Knight, up and down day, but it's really hard not to in Morgantown, a tough spot. Found Sterling Shepard enough to keep points on the board, which is impressive. And yeah, the P Ryan thing, the fact that they can count on offense with Keith Ford going down, who looked to be their number one option at running back, that they can not only count on him, but count on him for excellence i mean i don't want him carrying the ball more than 30 times a game but they're thin at running back right now yeah but going for well over 200 and the the runs that he had he was one of the best players of saturday pretty easily all right elsewhere in the big 12 there wasn't a lot of other action but i need to do the drum roll here do it 
Kansas 24, Central Michigan 10. It's a win over an FBS opponent. Congratulations, Kansas. We're all very excited. Kansas has Texas at home next week. Yeah, you know what? Screw the Chippewas, by the way. I hold a grudge against the Chippewas. Why is that? Uh, I got into a bit of a verbal altercation with a bunch of their wrestlers when I was working at SI and covering the wrestling championship. So I've held a grudge against the Chippewas. Can we for... talk about this on the air? Yeah, I don't care. This was like 2008. I think they stole my mic, my microphone. They stole the the transmitter, the wireless transmitter. Ah. It's like $300. I can't prove that it was a Chippewa wrestler or wrestlers, but there was nobody else with the motive. So I was kind of hoping that the feud stemmed from one of them putting you in a headlock. No, no. Just from being a bunch of like humorless grunt bros. Okay. Yeah. Well, screw them then. Yeah. Yeah. My directional Michigan rankings go as follows. (laughs) Western. Eastern. Regular. Um, no, that's not directional. Well, regular uh, Michigan. I regular is a very kind word for what the University of Michigan is right now. <laughs> Michigan uh, proper? Can we say that? Um, or not? Yeah, we'll just call it that team in Ann Arbor. Okay. Ann Arbor U. Ann Arbor Tech. Um, is there a nor- I don't know if there's a northern or southern Michigan, but I'm feeling good about both of those schools. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. You mentioned that the Big Ten had a big day. Went yeah. 12 and one on Saturday. The one mm-hmm. loss was the one that we both predicted. Yeah. Utah 26, Michigan 10. I look, we both called it. Somehow it still was worse than I expected. Did you come up with a favorite touchdown, offensive touchdown against been, a power five? I'm going to need some more Dame? time. I'm going to okay. need some more time. Please I'll come check back in to at me the later. end of the show. I'll check in at the end of the show. Continue. I don't want to be mean about this. I don't want to be mean about this. You mm-hmm. might. I feel bad for Michigan fans that had to deal with this because I sat through Notre Dame's marathon loss to USF a couple years ago. Yeah, you did. And look, it's a full day of torment. It's the kind of day where if you're a happy drunk, you turn into a mean drunk because you're drinking for seven straight hours, mm-hmm. waiting for your team to lose. It's impending oh, doom. Yeah. It's never fun. Never fun. And this one wasn't. No. The tears of Michigan fans flooded Michigan stadium. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long the weather delay was. It was extensive when they came back on the field. It was basically an exercise and running out the clock. Ultimately, Michigan goes down. I think this is the final shovel of dirt on Brady Hoke. Is that fair to say? I don't have their recruiting class in front of me. That matters. But the fact that the new offensive coordinator can't convince Devin Gardner to be a good football player um, is troubling. Utah look good, by the way. We shouldn't short sell Utah. Um, they going on the road is a difficult thing. I don't think beating Michigan is, but you know, it's a it's an interesting place to play. I just their offensive line is nowhere near where it needs to be to run any sort of effective offense they don't have the trigger man they even Shane Morris came in Dr. Jane tweeted me when he came in let's see what Shane Morris has let's see what he's all about can we call him shaggy Shane by the way sure shaggy Shane he doesn't have shaggy hair but I like calling him shaggy Shane I'm okay with it uh there are no grown-ups on this show to stop us no um and he immediately overthrows somebody for a bad interception like okay I think I've seen what I need to know so Michigan's now at the point where They don't have the pieces, even though their defense did look good at times. You need more than that. If if you are a school with as much steeped in tradition, whatever, as Michigan has or used to have, um, you need to be able to recruit every single position well and do us do so regionally, nationally, whatever it takes. And, you know, congratulations that Brady Hoke is a Michigan man, but he's a Michigan man without an offense. And I don't know what you can take positive from Michigan's offense, maybe beyond like teaching a toddler to count by having them guess on one hand how many yards per attempt a Michigan quarterback is going to have in a game. I don't know beyond that. Things are officially off the swivel now in Ann Arbor. And if you look at the remaining schedule, I don't know how bad it gets from here. I don't know if we've hit rock bottom yet because the offense has looked horribly anemic. And I said Mm -hmm. I said to someone on Twitter yesterday. The rest of the season for Michigan feels a lot to me like the desert scene in seven where all outcomes are literally on the table 
including UFOs flying out of people's heads. Like, I don't know what happens when Michigan goes to Rutgers. All, every single game on their schedule from the 27th to through November 29th at the at the horseshoe. They're all losable. They really are. It's incredible. Minnesota, Rutgers at Rutgers, Penn State at home, Michigan State on the road, Indiana, who just beat Missouri uh, in Ann Arbor, Northwestern. Northwestern's the biggest. I mean, that's at Northwestern. I would say that's the – is Northwestern the most winnable? Northwestern, Indiana, would, are the most winnable game. I would think so, yeah. Left. But, again, it's Michigan on the road. I don't know. And Northwestern's defense has been okay this year. Um, Maryland, Ohio State. I I don't know how bad this gets. I really don't. And I'm not huh? trying to be mean to Michigan people. I'm not. But, man, just doesn't seem like the best situation. Again, no. 26 to 10, your final score. Michigan goes down elsewhere in the Big Ten. Yeah. Wisconsin had three 100-yard rushers in its game against Bowling Green. Almost had four. They win big in that game. Melvin Gordon, of course, our our good friend. Melvin Activated. 13 for 253 and five touchdowns, Dan. Yeah, when you see like 253 yards, you're like, wow, he had a good game. Carried it, what, 25, 31 times? Like, no, 13. Those are video game numbers. It's crazy. Barely cracked into the teens. And, uh, well, that sounded way weirder than I intended. That was not good. But I'll stand by it. Um, yeah, Tanner McAvoy ran really well. Corey Clements, obviously the smaller, but obviously, but very clearly a good running back. Um, and Tanner McAvoy, still not a great quarterback. No, not at all. <laughs> still not a great quarterback. Bowling Green, no pun intended. Bowl team last year, still in the MAC, but not well, not an embarrassment of a program of late, and could not stop Wisconsin on the ground even a little bit. No, even even a, even a tad. Hot knife through butter. Yeah. Uh, We mentioned Nebraska's win. We can take this moment to emphasize once more that Amir Abdullah got the ball 35 times. Mm -hmm. Michigan State hung 37. No, I'm I'm dyslexic here. They hung 73. I want you to play the the Frank Beamer's bed thing after saying Michigan State hung. (laughs) State. Michigan State hung 73 on Eastern Michigan, played really well defensively against the ever elusive Rob Bolden, who somehow still has eligibility. Redshirt freshman. Yeah. Bolden. Yeah. Everyone else in the Big Ten outside Michigan won. Even Illinois, who survived Texas State, survived Texas State, Dan. Yeah. They've got three wins now. Can they get to six? Let's. The drive for six. <laughs> the drive for six. Um, Probably not is the answer. Probably what was, not. What was the final score of that Illinois game? They won by seven. It was a yeah, it was 42, 42 35, 35 somewhere like that. Uh, they're at Nebraska, loss. Purdue at home, win. So we're at three or four, excuse me. At Wisconsin, loss versus Minnesota. <sighs> Slight chance of win. We're still at four. Um, they host Iowa. They go to Ohio State. They, they go at Northwestern. Iowa. They so could they beat could, Iowa. They could win five. They might win six. They need a situation like they had down at Florida where one of the games gets outright canceled, and then maybe you can petition the NCAA for eligibility. I I like that a situation exists where early October, Purdue is must win for Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> must win situation. Get your tickets now. Now you got to take whatever you can get in the big 10, Dan. Yeah. I'm to take whatever you can get. Yeah. Anything okay. else jump out at you? I think we covered most of the power five action. Uh, we did. We did do most of the power five. Um, you know, the what's what's itching to be spoken of. You were feeling good about the crusaders early on in the season. I was, but I mentioned how well rested the haw the crimson were going to be in Cambridge. Harvard laid waste yeah. to the Crusaders. They're just too smart for him. Over and over and over again. Forty-one eighteen is your final score. Ivy League season. Yeah, 
really looking nice. We're not going to go to the Ivy League yeah. lightning round. The Ivy League lightning round is... We could uh, get some really good classical music, library-esque music in there. Do they play music in libraries? Probably not. Probably Georgetown, not. the Hoyas, lockdown defense, the fierce bulldog that is the Hoya. Yep. Just takes it to the the, the brown, brown, brown bears. Yep. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's very emo-y. Like, that, that bear is a roadie for My Chemical Romance. Okay. That's what it looks like. But the Hoyas, yes, move on 17-3, and most Bulldog teams have been pretty astoundingly stout since our friend Nicole Auerbach claimed that she wanted to be a live Bulldog. Colgate, the toothpasters, take it to Big Red. I liked Big Red here. You liked Colgate. Yeah. So I, I defer to you when it comes to inter-Ivy Patriot action. Um, the Bison of Bucknell on the road go to Sacred Heart. Yeah. And if there's one thing you know about Sacred Heart and the Pat Lee, you do not just go into the Heart Dome. You can't and Bucknell do it. did it. Bucknell went into the Corazon, as they say. At where is Sacred Heart? Do we do we know where that is? Uh, I can only assume the Vatican, Dan. Let's assume the Vatican or the hospital from Scrubs. Okay. Uh, Bill and Mary powerhouse. And I got to say, I really like Lafayette in this one. And it was close to the half. Lafayette actually up at the half. Bill and Mary take it to the Leopards of Lafayette. Got to You got to give props when props are due. And Bill and Mary take it. We got. I need, I need shootout music here. Oh, you need shootout? I need um, shootout sounds. Because I'm about to talk about Yale Lehigh. Okay. Here we go. Those mountain engineers fought valiantly, looked to be in control at halftime. But no, those Yaleys. Again, what are we saying? Bulldog team. What's the name of that bulldog, Ty? Do you remember what I told you? <laughs> do you remember what I told you the name of Yale's bulldog is? I do not. Handsome Dan. Handsome Dan, okay. Handsome Dan takes it to ugly Lehigh. 54-43. That's what you get, Lehigh. That's what you get. And finally, of course, New York City's one true team. The Fordham Rams going on the road literally to just another borough. I don't know if they took a train or a bus or a series of Jettas. But Fordham takes it to Columbia, 49 to 7, to add insult to injury, 21 points in the fourth quarter. So Fordham only gets stronger, as Rams tend to do. Once again, your and my Fordham Rams, 49 to 7. That is a perfect segue into our news about the secret verbal. What? Do we have news? We have news about the secret verbal, Dan, that must be discussed. Explain to our Sunday audience what a secret verbal is and what last week's secret verbal was. A secret verbal is when we decide the fine folks who listen to this show have clearly put up with enough of our garbage. I would say morally, physically, spiritually, emotionally fine. This is correct. Yeah, fine folks. We decide that we are going to issue a key word, a key phrase of words mm -hmm. that we want to send via Twitter to some unsuspecting target. Yes. To prove that you listen to our complete show. Yes. We want you to send a random tweet to a random person completely randomly and confuse the hell out of them. That's the whole point. So on last week's show, we decided after talking about the Fordham Rams, we were going to issue a secret verbal for mm -hmm. Fordham alum, Tony Reale, host of ESPN's Around the Horn. We wanted you to send tweets to him. And talk about his nickname, Buffalo Chicken. Buffalo Chicken. While he was a goalie for the Fordham water polo team. Now, we know we went to Fordham, but as best we can tell, neither the nickname nor him playing goalie nor playing water polo, none of that is actually true. We just sort of made it up on the fly. Where was the derivation of Buffalo Chicken? The derivation, from? The derivation was, I believe, my, my lunch. Yeah, was it, a, it was a buffalo chicken salad or sandwich? Yeah, a buffalo chicken salad. How is a buffalo chicken salad? It was pretty good, actually. It was more of like a popcorn chicken situation. But yeah. it was in, the, the chicken was in buffalo sauce. Chicken was in buffalo sauce. Was it a like, ranch dressing or a buffalo dressing? I went, the they wanted to give me balsamic vinaigrette. I, I said, no, let's go ranch. You went ranch with it. I went ranch. I felt like All that right. was a better combo. Feels very American. Yeah. And you're nothing if not an American. That's right. I'm a red-blooded American, Dan. True. I've seen it. So we did our secret verbal, and Tony was subsequently inundated. Bombarded. With tweets. Maybe one of the finer outpourings of secret verbals that we've seen thus far. Tony Reale, being Tony Reale, decided he would not just let this go to waste. So on both Thursday and Friday's edition of Around the Horn, mm -hmm. here's how he closed out the show. 
That's going to do it, folks. We're on a 71-and-a-half-hour break. I'm your boy, Buffalo Chicken, signing off. Buffalo Chicken, Dan. That's not bad. I'm playing that again. That's going to do it, folks. We're on a 71-and-a-half-hour break. I'm your boy, Buffalo Chicken, signing off. He is our boy, Buffalo Chicken. Yes. I think this means, to date, this is the most successful secret verbal. Like, I don't know what else we can do to top this. But That's um, pretty fantastic. It's nice and clean. It wasn't weird. It was just strange, uh, a little bit random, a lot bit random, and and fun-spirited. He, he's a pro's pro. He can do yeah. stuff like this. So now the question is, what, what do we do about this? We got to claim responsibility now. Yeah, we need to get him as a celebrity picker. That's my new effort. Can we do that? Let's do that. Can we do that for Wednesday? I've got a couple connections. I'm going to try to pull some strings and make it happen. All right. If, if he's not our celebrity guest picker on Wednesday, you'll know that I completely and utterly failed. And talk to Big Talk. He's our boy Buffalo Chicken. Our boy Buffalo Chicken. We got to get him as a celebrity picker. Um, I'm still curious about Tony Barnhart's stories as a, as a roadie with Fleetwood Mac in the 70s. I, he's got to have some crazy groupie stories. Do we want to issue another one? I think on the on the Wednesday show, I think we should give if we are able to to land reality. Excuse or the me, verbal. Excuse me, it's Buffalo Chicken, Dan. If we are able to land Mr. Chicken, yeah. Um, I think we should certainly give him the right to choose a, yeah. a victim in a statement. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. All right. So that's all I got. Well, good work to the verbalers for that one. Yeah, because it was you guys that did it. We came up with the idea. Great execution by all of the mm-hmm. listeners out there. Wonderful. Do follow us on Twitter. It's at Solid Verbal. Find yeah. us on Facebook. Find us on FanCred. We've been doing this thing on Facebook now where I've been trying to get people to post tailgating photos. And yeah, their food, their setups. Yeah. yeah, we've progressively gotten a few more of them each week. It's been fun. I try to rotate the cover photo to give everyone mm-hmm. their due. So keep up the good work with that. It's fun to see how you guys watch college football, even if you're not tailgating. If you want to take a picture of your home setup when you're watching six games at once, it never ceases to amaze me how many people do this sort of thing, do the thing that you and I do mm-hmm. every weekend get a little bit more creative with how they're able to pull it off. So if you want to mm-hmm. post those pictures, if you just want to post pictures of you and your friends wearing jerseys, you can do that as well. Do Whatever. Um, Facebook.com slash solid verbal is the address. And uh, again, 408 verbal one is the phone number 408-837-2251. That's how you can get in touch with us and let us know what's on your mind when you're watching college football games. I would like to request something when, cause you just mentioned the people posting the pictures. Yes. Do not post the leaked pictures of Ty's nudes. No. Ty took a lot of nudes because he feels great about his body. And that's a private thing. And I know they leaked and it's hilarious. I get it. Don't do it. Number two, what did you eat on on, on yesterday's uh, couch? <sighs> Went Elevation Burger yesterday, Dan. Oh, you like this place a lot. Yeah. Uh, you can order online, which is a big deal for me. It's right yeah. down the street. Cuts out 15 minutes so I could watch the Alabama game, right? find a commercial break, and then come back to see them up 42 to 21. Um, Get in your car as a good driver, a bad passenger. Right. Um, so I went unhealthy with it yesterday, although it's 100% organic beef, or so Ooh, they say. Fancy boy. Didn't eat the healthiest yesterday, but it okay. was very filling, and it was satisfying. How about you? Uh, very similar. I made, we made homemade patty melts, hundred oh, nice. percent organic beef. We went with the 85, 15 fat ratio. Is this you and celebrity hot tub? Me and Ryan, uh, Roger Sherman and Seth Rosenthal. Okay. All of SB nation. We made patty melts, Ryan fried pickles, really? a, an old base sriracha aioli. Uh, our friend Ben Epstein, who was also of SB nation in the, the sort of sales and marketing department brought over some chocolate pumpkin bread, chocolate chip pumpkin bread. What was that aioli? Did you say a mariachi aioli? What was that word? It was, it was an old bay, which is sort of a seafood I know what that seasoning. Is. Yeah. And sriracha. Sura- what is that? You don't know what sriracha is? I have is? no idea what that is. Really? Have you ever seen like the the sort of Asian character? It's a, it's a red bottle with a green nozzle on top. I've never heard of that in my life. You've never heard of sriracha? No. Not what even is a little bit. What is it's that? A, it's like a hot sauce. It's like a Thai chili sauce. Okay. It has your name in it. Is it Thai. like, it's like Frank's hot sauce. It is, 
Yes, it, it is. It is of Thailand or I don't know where exactly. Maybe it's not from Thailand. Maybe it's somewhere else, Vietnam. Okay. But sriracha literally translates to, I think, like hot sauce or pepper or something like that. It's a very basic translation. I'm not Asian, so I wouldn't know that. But well, that's debatable. Thanks for, thanks for filling me in. Sriracha is a very famous thing. I am very surprised by this. I, I live a sheltered life, Dan. I apologize. S R I R A C H A. S I R S S R S R I R. Sriracha. That's a weird word. Look at Google it right now. Tell me if you tell me if you've seen this bottle like on a on a table at a Chinese restaurant or something. Sriracha. Okay, let me see this. S R I R A C H A. This is compelling radio. Yeah. I've never no, seen I've, that in my life. This is this is going to shock. I guarantee you this will shock upwards of 90% of our listeners. I've never seen never that heard before of it. in my life. You've never seen that bottle. Red no. bottle, green top. I never I'm zooming in on it here. Has a rooster on there? I see the rooster. I don't know Hi. if I've ever seen that in my life. Oh my god! I gotta shoot it's, people straight. I gotta be honest. I, I've never no, seen I, that. No, I appreciate. No, that's much appreciated. Do you like spicy foods and spicy sauces? I didn't used to, but I do now. Yeah, I, I think th- it's like an, I think it's like one of those rights of getting older. I'm relatively recent to sriracha, but I've always known that it's existed and have seen it everywhere. Yeah, but now I love it. I put it on my eggs. I put it on Mexican food. It's great. Okay. Um, I think you would like it. It's, I'll have to try that out. It's quite versatile. All right. What was so we, had, th- we had like a spicy mayo with the fried pickles. That sounds, sounds delightful. What was your third point? You said you had three things. Oh, yes. Everybody should watch Wake Up College Football on SBNation.com. Oh, look watch. at you. Yeah. You're it's myself man. and Brian Nanny. Yeah. Okay. Come on. Now. I'll check it out. Yeah. See what I got there. It's a fun one. It's a fun one. All right. Well, this was a fun show. Again, a bunch of news stories to follow. Yes. Listen to the show. Listen back to the show. Tell mm-hmm. your friends about the show. Head on out to iTunes. Give us a review if you like what we're doing on the show. It's solidverbal.com. We thank you all for downloading. We'll be back on Wednesday, hopefully with a celebrity guest in tow, to pick some college football games for week five. Does not appear to be the greatest slate in the world. Yeah. But as you mentioned, it's all just a big old tune-up for week six, which is staring us directly in the face. Trust us, it's going to get interesting in a hurry. Week five is still a college football Saturday. Things could happen. Yeah. Things could happen. Definitely. For that guy over there, Mr. Dan Rubenstein. For myself, Ty. Thanks again for tuning into the Solid Verbal. (sighs) Stay solid. Peace.